Thanks for listening to our Faith Church podcast. Let's listen to today's message. He's such a good God. So good to have you all with us this today, Father's Day. We want to celebrate all of our fathers today. We thank you for being here and celebrating this day with us. Um, I know that it's a special day that we get to celebrate. And ultimately, we know that he's our father and we celebrate him ultimately today. He's such a good father today and we're grateful to have him. Thank you as our father this morning. Uh, I want to jump into the word for a few minutes um, and uh, just share with you. I know Father's Day is a day that comes with mixed emotions for many of us. Um, it's amazing how I can, uh, whether I'm doing a funeral or, or whatever it is, an event, and some fathers can be greatly admired and some, there's a real struggle with fathers. There's a real emotional feelings about fathers. And I can tell you this, being a father is not easy. It's not easy, and you may not agree with this, but many fathers do struggle with their own inadequacies. Many fathers wrestle with their thoughts of comparing themselves to others and uh, how they could do better, or if something goes wrong in their home, it's their fault. And many fathers struggle with those types of, father, those types of thinking. And so sometimes we unfairly measure ourselves against others. And uh, I believe God has given us in his word some things that, to look at. If you'll look uh, with me to Luke chapter 15. Luke 15, you can turn in your smartphone uh, to Luke 15. And uh, as, as you're turning there and you're getting that up, I want to kind of start with this thought. And I, I, I'll say it this way, secretly, though seeing that I'm telling you it's not really a secret. Um, I want my kids to need me all my life. That's me. My flesh, I love, my ki- I love being a father and I love my kids wanting me and needing me and I love helping my kids. But the truth is, I really want them to love God and need God with all their heart. And I want them to serve God and I make it my aim and my goal to get them to a place where they don't need me. And then the, whenever that day comes that I'm no longer here, they're able to live without me because they have a relationship with the greatest father of all time. And I really, in my heart, I want, that's, that's my goal. That's, as I direct my home, as I lead my family, my goal is to lead them to Christ, lead them to the Father that can lead them in all things. And there's this incredible story in Luke 15 that Jesus talks about. He kind of talks about this family, this father with two sons, and we typically refer, refer to it as the prodigal son. Um, but I want to talk about it from the father's point of view. And um, this applies not only to fathers, it can apply to mothers, it can apply to brothers and sisters, family, it can apply to people that you love. And, um, but the story is a real interesting one. I think there's some principles in there that Jesus was trying to explain. And he was trying to give us an understanding of how the Father thinks about us. And he was trying to give us an understanding of how we should think about each other and about our children. 
And I love the story. There's so many beautiful elements of it. So let's pick it up at verse 11. Luke chapter 15 it says, Then he said, There was a certain man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me my portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there he wasted his possessions with prodigal living. Let me stop there for a moment. This reads in a couple of sentences like this man had two sons and they were of age and they were able to receive an inheritance from the father so the younger wanted to receive his inheritance and go do what he wants to do. And the father said, sure, go ahead. I think it was much more than that. I think it was much more intense than just those couple of sentences where the father just gave the son, his money to go do with what he wanted. And as I read the story, it would indicate that the beginning of this was not as easy as it sounds. The beginning of this story, the father, as he's standing before the son, he knew, he had to know in his heart, this is not going to end well. I don't know about you, but it's hard for me when I see somebody, and especially my own children, when they're heading down a road to destruction and I can't stop them. I'm sure this father was struggling. What do I do? Because if I give them the money they're going to go and blow it and waste it. But if I don't give him the money, he's going to hate me and resent me for the rest of my life. So what do I do? Sometimes being a parent, there's no easy answer. You try to find the best answer, but not, there's no easy answer. And you're trying to get the mind of God and if we try to control our children as they get older, they will resent us. There comes a time when you have thoughts and those thoughts need to stay thoughts and not come out of your mouth. You know, it's amazing when most of us, when we had children, especially if we raised in the church, we dedicated them to God and we said, God, they're yours until they get older. And then we say, well, maybe they're ours. And we, we're not sure if they're really his. Because we, we want to see our children do well. And we know that some children will indicate to you that they're smart enough to handle their own life, though they're really not. They'll say, Dad, I know what I'm doing. And you know they don't know it. Because as soon as they say they know what they're doing, they probably don't. And so it makes you nervous. It makes you concerned. And nobody wants their kids to learn the hard way. Nobody wants that for their children. But sometimes it has to happen that way. So if you're taking notes, my first point is this. Our kids will make mistakes. I'm going to encourage you today. 
Your kids will make mistakes. Now, I know those of you who have one-year-olds, two-year-olds, you'll say, not my kids. Just give it a few years. Let's get you through middle school first. You haven't even got through middle school. You haven't even gotten to kindergarten yet. We'll see. But your kids will make mistakes. How do I know that? You made mistakes. I made mistakes. And we all make mistakes. None of us are perfect. None of us are divine. None of us get it all right. Our prayer is, though, that those mistakes will not be lifelong pains. I know my kids. I, I explain it this way to people all the time. My, with my kids, I, I, I try to be like the bumpers on a bowling alley. And I try to just keep them in the middle without crashing into the gutter. And if I can just bump them this way and bump them that way and they don't crash into the gutter and we can get a couple strikes, we're going to be doing good. But we realize that your kids, they're going to make mistakes. And even if my kids do make a mistake, my aim as a father is I'm going to help them through it. I'm going to help them just like the father helps me through it. I thank God that he doesn't let me go even when I told him I got this. And he knows that I don't got this, but he, he just says, all right, I'll let you think you got it, but you don't got it. And he's going to be there when I fall, when I mess up, to pick me back up. And he's going to be there to mend and to heal my wounds. I thank God that I have a heavenly father that has demonstrated that to me over and over and over again. How many times has God showed me his goodness at times when I didn't deserve it? He showed me mercy. Go into verse 14. We see, but when the son had spent everything, there arose a severe famine in the land, and it began to be in want. And then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent them into the fields to feed the swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that swine ate, but no one gave him anything. Second point is this. We have to put our kids into God's hands. We have to put our kids into God's hands. You know, going back 2,000 years ago when Jesus talked about this, they didn't have social media. They didn't have cell phones. They didn't, you couldn't FaceTime your son and to see where he was really at. You can say, show me where you are. Let me see. You couldn't do that back then. And there comes a point where you've just got to trust God. And I think it's a lot easier said than done. I think it's a lot easier to say, I trust God, than to actually trust God. And this goes beyond just our children. This goes into our marriage. This goes into our parents. This goes into being fathers, being mothers, being husbands, being wives, being family. This goes into lots of layers where sometimes you've got to put them in the hands of God. You don't know who they're with, what they're doing, what's going on in their lives, 
Are they making the biggest mistake of their life? Here's what I do know. Even those who make the biggest mistake of their life, we serve a God who's the biggest healer in our lives. It can heal anything in our lives. And whether, you're not, whether you realize it or not, I promise you, fathers worry a lot more than they admit. I know typically you'll hear mothers say how much they worry. But fathers worry, they just, if, if they're married, they just let the wife do all the talking. But they worry just like moms do. Dads worry, they're concerned. I'll stay up, I'll be up at night. Are the kids okay? Is everything all right? Did they get in an accident? How many parents, don't raise your hand, have wondered, did my kids get in an accident? Did something happen? How come they're not home? What's going on? And you, that's normal parenting that you deal with. Even after they leave the house, you're concerned about them. They're away to college. You're concerned about them. You want them to be able to get through life. But part of them growing up is us letting them go. And it's hard because you want to control and you want to make sure that they don't trip and fall. You know, when our, our children are little, especially when we had our firstborn, our firstborn, we didn't want him to fall. We didn't want him to make any, you know, get his knees banged up, you know, anything to happen. We watched him with everything. By the time you get to the third, you're like, all right, they're going to fall. All right, they're going to bang something up. Something's going to get scraped. Something's going to get marked up. I can't keep my eyes on all three at the same time. Somebody's going to fall down a set of stairs. I don't know who. But you know that there comes a point where you, you've got to put p kids in the hands of God. And, and as hard as that is, that doesn't mean you stop praying. You keep praying. You keep declaring. You keep believing. But the same goes with our marriage. The same goes with our spouses. The same goes with any relationship. We put people in God's hands and I'm sure this father had no idea what was going on with his son, that he was in such a terrible place. He didn't even have enough to eat the pig's food. And yet he was there with him in that place. Luke 15, verse 17, says this. But when the son came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare? And I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. Uh, to me, verse 17 is one of my favorite verses, probably in the whole Bible. There's something, I, I love it when people, myself included, it says that and when they came to themselves, when they wake up, when they finally see the error of their ways, when they finally recognize where they're at, when they finally realize where God is, when they finally see and understand what's going on. And the truth is this, your kids know more than they admit. Many times we think, oh, my kids don't know how much they, I love them. Yes, they do. My kids don't know how much I care about them. Sure, they do. They do. They just may not admit it. One of the funniest things is watching my kids admit I'm right. Oh, it kills them to admit I'm right. And so they, they know more than they admit. And what I love about this passage is the son 
started remembering and started thinking about, man, I have a good father. My father takes care of his servants. He's a good provider. He's got a good business. He, and I know that if I go home, he will take care of me. I know my father will take care of me. He won't reject me. He won't laugh at me. And when I walk in the door, he's, gonna, he's not going to look at me and say, oh, well, how come you're home now? Well, what'd you do? Did you mess up? Well, now you need me. You know, all the stuff that sometimes parents we say that actually works against us. Sometimes we say stuff to be funny, but kids are hurting. Kids are wounded. Kids are struggling. And you're like, well, you should have listened to me before. They know that. I don't need to tell my kids they should have listened to me before when they just got in an accident or they just are struggling with life. And I think sometimes we've got to choose our words better, even with our spouse, even with people in our life. Sometimes we just got to choose our words better because we say stuff that actually pushes people away than draws them in. And the son knew that the father was going to be kind to him. He knew that he had a good father. He knew that. And he knew when he got home, he wasn't going to hear, well, I told you so. Well, you should have listened to me. Because those words aren't helpful. Those don't help anybody. And maybe you get caught up in some of that. And I understand those can be inside words, but leave them inside. Because outside, there's a different response that we need to give, and that's verse 20. Verse 20 says this. And, he, and, the father arose, and the son arose and came to his father. The son arose and came to his father. And when he was still a great way off, his father saw him. To me, that's just amazing. And had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. While he was still a great way off. Point four, a father loves at all times. A father loves at all times. While the son was still a great way off, the father saw him. Father was looking for him. I'm looking for my son. I know he's coming. And while he saw him, he saw him coming. Not only did he see him, he ran to him. He had compassion on him. He didn't say, oh, there's my son. There's my bum of a son. He's coming up the road. Well, I'll just wait here until he gets here. I wish he would have listened to me earlier. But he ran to him. He had compassion him. He ran to him. He hugged him. He kissed him. There's something so pure and so genuine. May I be that kind of father that always looks at my children, always looks at my wife, always looks at people in my life with that kind of love, with that kind of compassion, with that kind of concern. May I, be, may I have the heart of a father like Father God, the heart of Father God. Can I have that kind of heart that sees and is looking for and is expecting my child to come up that road one day, is expecting my marriage to turn around, is expecting my family to turn around? Do I have expectation? Am I, am I hoping? Am I praying? Am I believing? Or have I already given up? Because the heart of a father always is hopeful, always sees the glass half full. 
optimistic. I believe my child's coming home one day. I believe there's going to be a day I'm going to run and see my child coming up that road. And here he sees the son coming. He sees him and he modeled compassion. He modeled what a father should look like. This whole passage models to me, this is what a father looks like. This is what a father thinks. This is what a father says. It's the heart of a father. It's the heart of the father. And that's what I want. I want the heart of God the Father. Going to verse 21. And the son then said to him, remember, the father ran to him, and the son hadn't even said anything. It's not like the son had repented first. It's not like the son had said, Dad, I'm sorry. It's not like the son had said, before the son even said anything. You know, there's something about seeing or hearing a little sound in your child. You ever see a child going a wrong way, and then all of a sudden you hear a sound like, well, Dad, you know I've been thinking. You're like, whoop. You know, Dad, I was praying the other day. What? You were praying the other day. You know, Dad, I was talking to God. And there's those little turning points where you go, that's what I'm looking for. That's what I'm expecting. That's what I, I want my son, I want my child to know the Lord. I want my child to have that turn in their heart. And I'm always looking for that turn, that there's that sensitivity, that they are going to be sensitive towards the things of God and sensitive towards the heart of God. And verse 21, then the son said to the father, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight and am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe, put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf here and I'll kill it and kill it and let us eat and be merry for this. My son was dead and is now alive. He was lost and is now found and they began to be merry. A father, point five, always wants to restore identity. Who are you? A father looks to restore identity and inheritance. Who are you? Let's get you to where you're supposed to be. The father has your identity in mind. He knows where you're supposed to be. He knows where God is calling you to go. And the father's always looking at restoring identity. How do I get my son to realize? Because the son said, I'll just be one of the servants. I'll just come back and I'll be one of the servants. And I'll just, you know, as long as I've got a roof over my head, I got food in my stomach, I'll be good. And what I love about that is there's something that had happened in the son. That not only was he hungry and needed shelter, but notice what he said that was so important. He said, I've sinned against God. And that was the moment of truth. That was the moment of humility. That was the moment of breaking where I've sinned against God. Well, I'm not doing nothing until he apologized to me. If I can get my children or anybody in my life, or myself included, if I can get to the point where I say, God, I've sinned against you. I'll make everything right with everyone else. I've got to get to the place where God is in right place with me. And the son said, I, 
Father, I know I've sinned against God and you, but I've sinned against God. And that place of humility, that place of awakening, all of a sudden he awoke. Because remember, Satan's goal is to steal, kill, and destroy. Satan's always going to try to take your kids out. He's always going to try to take your marriage out. He's going to try to take your parents out. He's going to try to take people out of your life. And we fight the good fight. We fight against the principalities and powers that try to destroy our children. We fight against those principalities that try to destroy our marriage, try to destroy people. We fight and we listen for those sounds and for those moments that God spoke to me. God said this to me. That moment of humility, that moment of awakening. And the father said, you know, not only did my son understand, he heard from God, but he went from death to life. He went from being asleep to being awake. He went from being a child to now being an adult. He woke up. You know, there's some people that can be 50 years old and still act like children. They still are selfish. They still have their own ambitions. They still want to do what they want to do. Nobody's going to tell them what to do. Not even God. And God wants us to wake up and to take responsibility and to realize we need him every day. What's so beautiful about this is the son realized, I need the father. And the father always kept his arms wide open and said, come on home. Not only can you come home, I'm going to reestablish who you are. I'm going to reestablish who you were called to be. I'm going to reestablish not only that, I'm going to give you an inheritance of your destiny, of your future, of what you're supposed to have. God is so faithful, even what the enemy steals from us, God can restore back to us. God has a way of taking that which is so dark and is so discouraging, and God has a way of turning it to be able to bring life and hope and strength and encouragement into our lives. We can never underestimate the workings of God. God is working in our children. God is working in our homes. God is working in our family, even when we don't see it. But sometimes what messes it up is we start talking. And I've watched so many times we'll mess it up because we'll start giving our opinions. And there comes a point, and, and I'm learning this as my kids are getting older, that sometimes I've got to say less to get more. I know what I'm thinking. I know what I want to say. And I think it's absolutely brilliant. <laughs> and the Holy Spirit says, don't say that. But God, it's so good. Don't say that. And you realize what truthfully is we need to do a better job as parents being surrendered to God's voice and God's leading. How can I lead my children if I can't lead myself? How can I tell them the word of the Lord if I'm not willing to listen to the word of the Lord? You know, it's, it's, you ever know that person, maybe you live with, never mind, but you ever know that person... <laughs> who always has to have the last word. They have to have the last word. You thought the conversation was over until there's one more comment that's just got to come out. 
and it just wrecks the whole thing. And there's people like that that they just got to have the last word. And what you're telling me and what I'm telling you when I do that is I'm not fully surrendered to God. Because I, if I have to have the last word, then God does not have control like he should in my life. Some kids just need a hug. Some kids just need to hear, I love you. Some kids just need to know. We know they screwed up. They know they screwed up. They know they went the wrong way. But the heart of a father is to wrap my arms around him and say, hey, I love you. No matter whatever you do, you can go the wrong way. You'll know I always love you. Even if you go into places you shouldn't, I'm going to love you. Even if you end up in a wrong place, you can always come home. You can always be at my house. I will always have room for you. But my room isn't for me to control. My room is to bring healing and restoration. The father had a heart of restoration for the son. The, heart wanted to see him the father wanted to see him restored. And the father wants to see us restored. That's why so many times, I mean, how many times, honestly, as Christians, do we have to mess up? And the father keeps coming and says, come on home. Come on. Come on back. All right, you wandered out there for a day or two or a week or a month or whatever it is. You wandered away. And the father goes, all right, come on. Come on home. I'm still right here. I haven't moved. I love you. I've been looking for you to come down the road. I see you coming. Come on. I love you. And he wraps his arms around us. And you feel that warm embrace of the father. When you know you didn't deserve it. But his mercy and his love and his compassion and, and you know that was literally the 150th time you've done that. And yet he's still there for 151, 152, and 153. Because he loves us. Yet how many times do we quit on people? And we quit on our children. Or we quit on somebody because this is like the 10th time. And we, and we throw our arms up in some sort of disgust and go, I can't take it anymore. And yet God takes it all the time. And we can't take it one more time. And again, there might be certain situations. I'm not gonna, that doesn't cover every situation. But certainly when it comes to our children. And it comes to their life. And it comes to their choices. And it comes to their mistakes. We should have an open heart and say, you know, I love you. Yeah, okay. You messed up. We all messed up. Let me tell you a couple of my mess ups when I was your age. Let me tell you the times I screwed up. I messed up. But God still loved me. The important thing I've got to make sure is do my kids still have a tender heart towards God? Because if they don't have a tender heart towards God, then is it something that I've put in them that isn't right? Because for, for me to have a tender heart, I, I've got to realize that a tender heart in me comes from a tender heart from the Father. And if I don't have a tender heart towards God, it's going to show. And I've got to have a tender heart towards my children, towards my wife, towards my family, towards people that I know are hurting. People are hurting. And, and I realize sometimes when you're hurting, sometimes when you're being rejected, you're trying to find a way to still have a tender heart. And that's hard. It's hard to have compassion when you're the one being treated wrong. I get it. But you've still got to have love. You've still got to have compassion. You've still got to care. And that doesn't mean you trust everybody. You know, the father can take the son in. That doesn't mean he trusts them. 
Don't misunderstand that. I think some people do misunderstand that. And, you, you, you know, you can take him back, but he's going to need to be healed. He's going to need to be restored. He's going to need to earn trust back. He's going to need to do some things. But the story's not over. There's one more point in the story that we hit, and it's the part of the story that shifts now to the older brother, to the other son. So we've talked about one son, but now the other son who you thought was okay, who you think has been the great son, this is the son that has done everything right. This is the son that made all the right decisions. This is the son that stayed home. This is the son that didn't go out and here now, now that you have loved on the one, you've created now a, a under, an opening to see, oh, I didn't know this was going on in my other son. I didn't know how he was feeling. Sometimes when you take a step towards doing something right, you'll find out where the heart is in other people. And the older son had an issue, verse 25. And the older son was in the field. And as he came, he drew near to the house, and he heard music and dancing. So he called one of his servants and asked what these things meant. And the servant said to him, Your brother has come home because he's received him safe and sound. Your father has killed the fatted calf. But he was angry and would not go in. Therefore his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I've been serving you. I've never transgressed your commandment at any time. And yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours, not my brother, this son of yours came, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, so how do you really feel, and you killed the fatted, fatted calf for him? See, I think what's missing in this part is the father wasn't celebrating the son's sin. He was celebrating that he woke up and he came home. And that he was alive and not dead. He was found and not lost. And that's where he got lost. And he said to this son, son, you're always with me. And all that I have, not only do I give you a party, you can have any party every day. It was right that we should make merry and be glad. For your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. Last point is this. A father is always present for all of his children. He's present for all of his children. He's there. He recognized, my youngest son needs me. Now my oldest son needs me. My oldest son shouldn't be this upset, but he is. And the compassion that I had on my younger son I'm going to need a different compassion for my older son. I'm going to need a different understanding because he tried to do the right thing. And he also had struggles I just didn't realize because he was in the house. And just because the child is in the house doesn't mean they don't have struggles either. Just because they haven't done overt things doesn't mean they aren't struggling internally, internally, with thoughts and with things that are going on. And the compassion that he had to have for his older son was different, but it was equal to the fact that he needed to have the same level of compassion. Because the older son also lacked humility. The older son also lacked understanding. And the older son also lacked 
that compassion that he needed to have. And so this was a moment for the father to try to reach that son. And how he tried to reach the one son was different than how he tried to reach the other. He was present for both. He had to have compassion on both his sons. He had to love on them both. And just because the older son was there, he didn't have it all together. You can see kids, you can see adults. You know, you can be married for years and your spouse has never had it all together. They've tried, but maybe they've never dealt with hurts. They've never dealt with pains. They've never dealt with some things. There's always been an issue. There's always been something. And the goal isn't to try to get them to a place of rejection. The goal is to have compassion. How do I help them get to a place of healing? How do I help them? How do I show compassion and help them get to the place where they can grow in their faith? Because people struggle in life. And if my spouse is struggling or my children are struggling or my parents are struggling or someone, how can I show compassion? You know, people are going to treat you wrong. People are going to talk about you. People are going to say things about you. It may be your own children. And what are you going to give them in return? I don't need to talk about my kids. I don't need to tell them negative stuff. I don't need to post negative things about them. If I know something hurts them, why would I do that? If I know there's a certain nickname that hurts them, why would I say it? That nickname hurts their feelings. I wouldn't say that. Nor would I expect them to say it to one another. But there's some time within us, we don't even realize that the enemy will use us against each other. And ultimately, my goal in raising my children and my goal in having a family, my goal in being a father, being a husband, being a pastor, is how do I bring healing? How do I bring love? How do I bring compassion to those who need it? How do I show the love of the Father? How can I see people and say, you know what? I love you. God loves you. Okay, you messed up. Okay, you went the wrong way. How do I intercede for them so Satan doesn't steal? Because if I put a wedge in between me and my children, when they finally do wake up, they may not come back to me. And so I've got to make sure that I do everything I can to keep that door open. Even if it means at times just being quiet. At times not saying anything. Because the older they get, the more I've got to say less. I can't say as much. I just can't. They have to hear from God. The best words I hear from them is, you know, Dad, God said this to me. Those are the best words. Because I want them to know their father. I know I'm not going to be here all their life. I know that. And so they have to know God for themselves. They have to hear God. I don't want their life to crumble when I leave. I don't want their life to say, I can't live without my dad. If that happens, then I haven't done my job. They have to know their father. They have to know God. And I have to demonstrate and model that for them. What is the heart of the father? How do I model that? How do I get better at that? How do I model that with my wife? How do I model that with those in, in the church? How do I model that? And I... Like we started in the very beginning, you're going to make mistakes. Your kids are going to make mistakes. 
But if you have the right heart, God can grab a hold of your heart and get you to turn the way he needs you to turn. But if your heart is hardened towards a person, or your heart is hardened towards a child or a spouse, or your heart is hardened towards somebody, that's not good. Again, it doesn't mean you have to trust them. But what it does mean is you need to forgive them. You need to release them. And for some of us here today, God's been trying to speak to you and trying to get to you. And he wants to give you his heart. Our children are precious to God. They are precious to God. And maybe for some of our children, they've gone sideways on us. Maybe some of our children have gone the wrong way. But God can bring them back. God can draw them in. You just need to ask God for wisdom. You need to ask God what to say, what not to say. Even if you want to say, even if you think you got the best point of all time, only submit your, vo- your mouth to what God says. God will give you wisdom, and God will show you what to do. I want to pray this morning for our families. I want to pray for our children, for our adults, but I, want to start, I really want to start with the fathers. Today's Father's Day, and this has been a difficult year, without a doubt. Maybe you're a father, and you've struggled. Maybe you're a father, and you're, everything's going great. I don't know. Maybe you're a young father. Maybe you're an older father. But you're a father. And I want to pray over fathers today and just ask God to bless you. I want to anoint you for this year. I want to ask God to give you a fresh anointing in your life to be a father. So if that's you, if you have a father, will you just stand, fathers, all over this place? Come on, give your hands to fathers. Can I ask you for one more thing, fathers? Can you just come down front if you're comfortable? If you're comfortable coming down front and just line up in the front. And, and uh, I want to pray over Father. I'm going to ask Pastor Eric, Pastor Seriano to join me. We want to pray over Father. Just line up in the front. And uh, no pressure. I'm not taking an offering. <laughs> But just, that's it. Look at these men. Don't they look great? I love seeing men in church. I want to say thank you, men. I want to say thank you, fathers, for being on the front lines. I want to say thank you for putting yourself out there and knowing times that, man, I don't know if I got it right, but I'm trying. I know as a father, it's hard. I know as a father, as your children get older, it gets harder. I'd love to say it gets easier. I've yet to meet a father who has ever said that to me. And if they did, I think they're lying. Because it's hard. Being a father is hard. But thank you. Thank you for being a godly man. Thank you for being a man that loves God, even at times when you make mistakes. It's okay. I know we make mistakes. I want to encourage you today. If you're feeling anything negative from the enemy, that's the enemy. If the enemy's condemning you, the enemy's blaming you for your children, make sure you don't allow the enemy to put that condemnation on you. Because as our children get older, they're going to have to make decisions to serve the Lord or not serve the Lord. I can't guarantee my children will make that decision. I can't. I can put everything into them. I can fight for them, and I will fight for them against the principalities and powers. 
But at some point, they've got to know the Lord for themselves. And that's hard. Because we see what they need to do, but they have to see. And they have to have their eyes opened. And so I want us to pray over you. I'm going to ask the pastors to join me, Pastor Seriano, Pastor Eric. And we're just going to just lay our hands on you, anoint you with oil. And just ask God to give you a fresh anointing for this year. Fresh words, fresh compassion, understanding what it is he wants you to do. And so just lift your hands, fathers. Those that are in the congregation, just stretch your hands towards these men of God. Father, we thank you for each one of these men. We thank you for the call of God on their lives. We thank you, Father, for a fresh anointing on them now in the name of Jesus. That, Lord, you will equip them with wisdom from on high. That, Lord, that they will have answers. That they will know what to do and what not to do. That, God, you will give them the mind of Christ. I release a fresh anointing upon them. We release a fresh anointing. The Father, every plan of the enemy will come to nothing Father, even those situations where children are estranged, where children aren't even in communication, I ask, Father, that you would restore that communication and that you would bring back the relationships to those children that have run and have gone sideways. Father, we claim our children for you. We declare today all of our children shall serve the Lord. Our grandchildren shall serve the Lord. Not one of them will be lost. We declare a fresh anointing to come upon them that, Lord, that you will cause an encounter to take place, that they won't be able to deny you. And, Father, I come against every grief of a father, the grieving and the feeling as though I made a mistake or feeling as though I should have done it differently. And I come against all condemnation that would make us feel like something is our fault. And I ask, Father, that you would give us a new understanding as a warrior, as a man of God, how to fight this fight of faith and how to be strong warriors for the kingdom of God. I declare that every man that's here, every man that is watching is strong in faith. Where the enemy has tried to rob you, where the enemy has tried to make you feel less than, where the enemy has tried to destroy your faith, I encourage you now in the name of Jesus that you shall rise up and that you shall be strong in the Lord, that everything that the enemy has sown into your spirit, we cut off now in the name of Jesus. Every failure that you have felt, every time that you have felt like you don't deserve anything, we just cut those thoughts off now in the name of Jesus, that God would reestablish you, that God would reestablish your identity, that God is running to you, wrapping his arms around you and bringing you into his house, bringing you into his presence, and he is strengthening you, he is restoring you, he is embracing you, and he is healing that which is in you today. I release the healing touch of Jesus upon your hearts today that you will be able to go forth with a new strength, with a new power, that you'll be able to go forth with a new authority, that no weapon formed against you, formed against your family, would prosper. Every tongue that rises up, Lord, you would condemn. And Father, that we would see fathers established in the house of God. Lord, we pray over every family, over every mother, over every child. We ask for the anointing of God to come upon households. Even this year, where the enemy is trying to suck the life out of our children, we resist the work of the enemy. We resist every plan of the enemy that is trying to destroy our children, our grandchildren. 
we just come against every work and every deception and we stand as men and women of God and we declare our children shall serve the Lord our grandchildren shall serve the Lord we don't know what it's going to take but father we are praying that you're going to reestablish that you're going to bring them to a place where they wake up where they have been dead and now they are alive where they've been lost and now they are found father where they come to themselves and they become everything they're called to believe i release that faith in them i release that anointing upon them that our children shall become everything they're called to become in the name of jesus we thank you father we have great faith we believe you today that you will equip us for every good work in jesus name amen 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 i believe god's doing it i believe god's doing it don't beat yourselves up on the things you get wrong realize god is strengthening you and he'll give you the wisdom that you need to be the men of god and the fathers that you need to be i love you i believe in you i believe that you are perfect for the situation that you're in god will equip you with every word you need and every word you don't need will go away that you will have only the words from the holy ghost in jesus name god's good this morning why don't you bless somebody around you congregation i bless you in the name of jesus i thank god for you this is a good week today will be a good day in jesus name amen god bless you Thanks again for listening to our Faith Church Podcast. We are so glad you chose to listen to this message. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast to receive notifications when we release new content. Also, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Faith Church Rock to find out more information about what is currently happening at Faith Church.